بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on نهج البلاغة by Mizan Institute ومنهم أمناء على وحيه وألسنة إلى رسله ومختلفون بقضائه وأمره So in this part of the khutbah Ali ibn Abi Talib is continuing with his explanation and description of the different categories of angels that Allah created after he was done creating the universe. The first type of angels that Allah had were the angels that are in a perpetual state of worship. These are the ones that are in sajda forever or in ruku' forever or are standing or are busy glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't get tired. They don't they are not made subject to any forgetfulness they don't fall asleep and so on the next set of angels are the ones who are the trustees of Allah when it comes to the his revelation to his prophets it says that among these angels are the ones who are entrusted with his revelation so there's a trust. Allah needs this trust to reach its destination, where it needs to go. Who does he trust with this? Who does he entrust the, this trust to, this revelation, this very valuable revelation to, that is, inshallah, to secure the felicity, the eternal felicity of mankind? Who does he entrust this um, revelation with? Some of these angels are the ones who play that role. They are the ones who take this trust to its destination, which are the Prophets. These angels, number one, they are entrusted with revelation. And number two, they are able to communicate. They are the ones to communicate this revelation to his Prophets. Now, the translation I have for this bit right here, the translation I have in front of me says, those who serve as speaking tongues, for his prophets, um, which might imply um, that these angels serve as tongues for the prophets, as if when the prophets are speaking to their people, they are speaking through these angels. But I want to say that's not the case when you look at the Arabic, although the translation might imply that. I'm not saying that the translation 100% is saying that. But it does imply that, it might imply that for some, speaking tongues for his prophets. But when we look at the Arabic, it says, What this is very strongly getting across, in my opinion, is that they are serving as tongues for God to his prophets. In other words, Allah wants this revelation to reach his prophets and to be communicated with his prophets. And so he chooses these angels to do this. So not number one, they carry this revelation with them. And number two, they are the ones who communicate it as if they are the tongues communicating this revelation to the prophets. And so the prophets are receiving it from these angels. One more thing that one more one more role that this category, this type of angel plays is that they are the ones who carry the qada and amr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here it says, 
those who carry to and fro his orders and injunctions, which I think is a good translation here. So qada and amr, sometimes it has to do with the decree of God. Okay, so for example, things happen in the universe, in the natural world that we live in. These are the decree of God. Is it is this is what the uh, this part of Nahjul Balagha is saying? That they carry with them the decree of Allah, make sure that the decree of Allah goes through? Or no, what is meant here is just those commands and injunctions, the do's and don'ts of the religion. So it'll be part of revelation actually. So here there are two possibilities, but commentators of Nahjul Balagha have said this, and I personally very humbly agree with them as well, that because it was speaking of the context was speaking of revelation and communicating revelation, it just makes sense that also here what is meant isn't the decree of God in the natural universe, but rather the do's and don'ts that are part of revelation, that are part of the message of these angels that is brought down. The do's and don'ts, the sharia, let's say, the tashri'i, the tashri'i amr of Allah, not the takwini amr of Allah, those of you who are familiar with these terms. Okay, so, وَمِنْهُمْ أُمَنَا عَلَى وَحْيِهِ There are some who are the trustees of Allah when it comes to His revelation. أَلْسِنَةٌ إِلَى رُسُلِهِ They communicate this revelation to His prophets. And in that, in that, amongst that revelation or what is revealed are the commands of Allah and commandments of Allah. Those things that He wants from mankind. Moving on to the next uh, category of angels that are discussed, they are the protectors, okay, al-hafadha. But there is a little bit of a discussion here I want to have. Let's go through the Arabic first. وَمِنْهُمُ الْحَفَظَةُ لِعِبَادِهِ وَالسَّدَنَةُ لِأَبْوَابِ جِنَانِهِ That among them are the protectors of his creatures, hafadha, as many of you probably know. Hifv means to protect. And it can have other meanings too, like to memorize and stuff, but it goes back to protecting something and preserving something. It says that among them are those who protect his creatures. Okay. Here, hafadha can mean protection, as was said, but there's also another possibility, and that is to record things. As I said, to, to do hifv of something means to memorize it, to protect it and preserve it, meaning that it's not forgotten. Okay, now here, there are two possibilities, they've said, of what hafadha means. Hafadha, which is the plural of hafiv, which means protector, recorder, memorizer. Okay, it can mean that. It can mean any of these. What is meant here? Does it mean the angels that are recording our actions? Or does it mean... There are angels that are actually protecting us from any calamities and tragedies that might befall us. Because as you all know, um, yes, tragedies do befall mankind, but a lot more than what actually befalls us is supposed to befall us. It's just that Allah protects us from a lot of it, and we have literature that proves this, that speaks of this. That the amount that Allah repels from us of hardship and tragedy is more than we know, and is more that befalls us. Okay, so here when the Imam says, وَمِنْهُمْ 
Al-Hafadatu li'ibadihi Is he speaking of the Hafadha, the ones who, the angels who record our doings and actions? Or is he speaking of the angels that are protecting us from natural disaster and tragedies and so on? Which one is it? And mind you, we have verses for each of these two as well. The ones who record our actions and the ones who are actually protecting the human beings. So we have, for example, in Kullu Nafsin Lama Aleha Hafiz, Surah Tariq, verse 4. That there is not a soul out there except that there are recorders that have been appointed to that person. There is not a person out there except that there will be angels recording that person's actions. In Kullu Nafsin Lama Aleha Hafiz. Lama here they've said means Illa. This is also very famous verses. Surah Infitar, verses 10 to 11. Indeed, there are over you watchers, noble writers, kiraman katibin. Yes, these angels, they are noble scribes, let's say, noble writers that are watching over you and recording everything you do. So we have verses that speak of these angels who record our actions. We also have a verse that speaks of the angels that are taking care of us. Which means he has guardian angels to his front and his rear who guard him by Allah's command. Okay, so this verse, according to the tafsirs of the verse, uh, is speaking of those angels that protect mankind from different uh, calamities. Okay, so we have verses for both as well. But which one is it? Here, once again, there might be some opinion, different opinions on what is exactly meant by it. Um, but when you look at the context, once again, when we look at the context, it was speaking of revelation. It was speaking of the do's and don'ts. And so if the context of the previous and the previous category of angels was had to do with revelation and do's and don'ts then some have said what me what is meant here by those who are hafadha is those who are recording our actions okay it, we, because previously the imam was speaking of the angels that are telling the prophets to tell us what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do so that has to do with our actions so that is a good context clue that um, what is meant here is those who are watching our actions now and recording what we do and if we are living up to the do's and don'ts of God. That is what some have said. But there's also another context clue that um, kind of determines the second possibility as what is meant. Okay, That other context clue is the fact that we have a new category here of angels that he's talking about. So it doesn't have anything to do with the previous category necessarily. And it says, Afterwards, those who are guardians and protectors of the gates of Jannah. Okay? So there, when it's talking about, it's, when, when it's talking about Sadana, which is kind of synonymous to Hafadha, protectors and guardians, there, it's not talking about anyone who's recording something or angels that are recording something. It's speaking of angels that are actually guarding doors and gates so that no one enters them, okay, unless they deserve to enter them. So if there it's speaking about actual 
guardianship and and and, and protection, then here also it's also speaking about those angels that are protecting, like let's say physically protecting, in the natural world protecting mankind from disaster, from calamity, and so on. Now, of course, I mean, in the end, we know that there are both of these angels, both of these, the ones that protect and the, the ones that record. We know both of them exist because we have verses of the Qur'an. But here we're just trying to figure out what this part of Najjal Balagha is saying. I don't think we need to make too big a deal of, on, about this. Uh, but yes, these are two opinions and both of them will have their uh, evidence and reasoning. Okay, moving on to the fourth and last category of angels that are discussed in this part of Sermon number one of Najjal Balagha, and th those are the ones that carry the Arsh. Okay, so now we have, again, just like in our last session we talked about this, there are some things we might not be able to figure out. Let's go through the Arabic, and then um, we'll have a little discussion on that as well. Carriers of the throne of God. وَمِنْهُمُ الثَّابِتَةُ فِي الْأَرَضِينَ السُّفْلَى that there among them are those whose steps are fixed on earth, but their necks are protruding into the skies. Usually, if someone's standing on earth, brothers and sisters, yes, their necks are going to be down on earth too. It's not going to be up way up in the sky. But here you have these angels that are so big, so great. And of course, it's all metaphorical here. It's all being symbolic. That it's as if their feet are on the ground, but their necks are protruding through the skies. Their limbs are getting out on all sides, on all sides of the universe. This one like really shakes a person who is reading this part of the khutbah. They have they are so great that their shoulders are in accord with the columns of the divine throne. In accord with that means they are up to par with that. They are equal in size or length or whatever unit measuring unit you want to use here. Al-munasiba means when something is compatible with something else. Okay, so their shoulders are up to the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the foundations of the throne or the columns as it says in the translation of the throne of Allah. That's how great they are. That's how high they are. Subhanallah. Okay, so um, if this is how big they are, how great is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's the part that really stands out here. Because it goes on to say this, if they're this great, Okay, then don't you ever think that they are anything compared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Why? Nakisatan dunahu absaruhum. Okay, that they're, although they're this great, but their eyes are downcast before it, before the throne of Allah. Forget about Allah Himself, the throne of Allah, which we'll talk about in a little bit. He, he is so great that these great angels of His, they can't even look up, brothers and sisters. They have to keep their eyes down out of whatever it is, 
out of how low they are, how weak they are, how scared they are, how whatever it is. I don't like to use the word scared here because that's not what the the um, the sermon is saying. But you can figure that it is because of Allah's might and magnificence that they can't even look up. Subhanallah. And just to open a parenthesis here, and if this is how great Allah is, that His greatest angels can't even look up, so to speak, of course, then... What a great blessing it is and what a huge favor upon mankind it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to pray salah to Him directly. We don't have to go through anybody. We can pray to Him directly and stand before Him in salah. Subhanallah. And then we take it lightly, this salat. Yes, we need to be careful about that. Okay. Mutalaffi'una what are they doing with their wings? They have spread down their wings under this throne of Allah. Okay, so that even shows that, that, that signifies their lowliness and humility before the throne of Allah and before Allah Himself. That not only are they casting their eyes down, but the throne is on them. مَضْرُوبَةً بَيْنَهُمْ وَبَيْنَ مَنْ دُونَهُمْ حُجُبُ الْعِزَّةِ وَأَسْتَارُ الْقُدْرَةِ What's happening is that these angels, they are so great that it's as if there are hujub, there are veils between them and between every other creature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What are these veils made of? These are veils of izzah. Of honor, astarul qudra, astar and hujub, they're very, they're pretty synonymous. Hujub comes from hijab, it's the plural of hijab. Astar comes from sitr, which also will mean a curtain or a veil once again. Or here the translation says the screens of power. Okay, so there are veils and curtains of power and honor that are separating these angels from the rest of God's creation. In other words, these are as great of a creature as you can find, these angels. That they are separated from the rest when it comes to power and honor and greatness and all these things. It's as if there's a veil between them and everyone else. Either others don't even know about them and that they exist, or that they are distinguished by the rest because of their power, because of their honor. Yet, these same angels are casting down their eyes before Allah and their wings under are under the legs of the divine throne. Now, what is interesting to me is that after it is describing this category of angels and how great they are, there's a line here that describes them as if this is what stands out about them. This is what's so special about them, which is pretty interesting because this is something that, inshallah, us humans can get close to through worshipping Allah, through obeying Allah, through studying about Allah. Yes, these are all things that can get us close to this characteristic of these angels. What is that characteristic? La yatawahamuna rabbahum bit-taswir. Something that Imam Ali spoke about in the beginning of this khutbah. For those of you who might have, might remember, and how Imam Ali was trying to show us that if you want to understand Allah for what He really is or get a good idea, then it is to 
take away from him actually and negate from him a lot of things. Okay, here it is speaking of what these angels actually are negating from Allah. لا يتوهمون ربهم بالتصوير. When it comes to understanding Allah, when it comes to um, picturing Allah, let's say, they don't use images. It doesn't happen through images for them. How many of us will understand Allah through imagery? Not that we'll say, oh, this is a picture of Allah. But deep down inside, in, the, in our minds, when we want to actually think of Allah, we bring concepts into our mind that reflect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These concepts are going to be very limited. They're going to have limitations and restrictions while Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater and mightier than to have any form of restriction even in our minds, right? So these angels, they reach the point that they don't, they don't have cognition of Allah through images or through concepts, let's say even. It's as if they are experiencing the real deal directly, وَلَا يُجْرُونَ عَلَيْهِ صِفَاتِ الْمَسْنُعِينَ Something that we all have to suffer from usually in this life. They don't suffer from it. What is that? The translation here says, they do not impute to him attributes of the creation. Okay, so we have different terms we use to describe things in the world that we live in. Correct? We will have greatness. We will have um, knowledge, we will have power. These are all concepts we derive from things around us that we use to describe things. Okay, Something is big, something is great, someone is smart, someone is hearing something, someone is knowing something, someone is powerful. All of these things that we have, yes, these we attribute to Allah the same. Okay, We have, even when it comes to the Qur'an, the Qur'an does this too because there, there are no other terms that Allah can use that we can relate to to understand Allah. So for example, you will, you will have in the Qur'an, Allah is all hearing, all knowing. Well, our understanding of hearing and knowing is a limited understanding, is a, limit, is a limited notion and concept. When we say someone is hearing something, that means that they have ears, first of all. That means that a lot of what they hear might not be accurate. A lot of the stuff that is out there that is hearable might not even be registered by the one who is hearing. There are a ton of limitations and restrictions when it comes to hearing. That The term hearing that we use to describe others. This person heard this. I heard you. But we use the same word for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is all hearing. And so just to make sure that you know it's something that we're describing Allah with, we add the term all to the beginning of it. So we say he is all hearing. That means he hears all things. But still, using the word hearing implies so many restrictions and problems. Now, this is something we talked about before, as I said, in the beginning of this khutbah. Okay, so when we use these concepts, we're actually limiting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we have a verse in the Quran also that says this, Subhanallah amma yasifun. That Allah is greater than that which they, than that which they describe him with. Now, in that specific verse, it might be speaking of a certain way that the people would look at Allah, or maybe the um, disbelievers or the mushrikeen and polytheists, idol worshippers, would look at Allah. But all in all, this is a general rule and law that Subhanallah amma yasifun, that Allah is greater than the way that they describe Him. He's always greater. 
if you ever want to describe Allah, you have to also understand that you are still limiting Allah with that which you are using to describe Him. Now here it says, these angels, la yujruna alayhi sifatil masnu'een. Those cre creations of Allah that have certain characteristics and qualities and we use certain adjectives, certain terms to describe those qualities and characteristics, these angels don't describe Allah in the same way. They don't see Him in the same way. They don't apply to Allah what is applied to the creatures of Allah of qualities and characteristics. They don't confine him within certain places and abodes. In other words, they don't restrict God to places. They don't they don't point to a certain place. Allah is here as if. No, Allah is everywhere. Even using the word everywhere for Allah implies, philosophically, implies limitation. But we're not going to get into that. Allah is everywhere. Even that is problematic, brothers and sisters. وَلَا يُشِيرُونَ إِلَيْهِ بِالنَّظَائِرِ And they do not point at him through. Now here it says illustrations. Usually nadair um, will be the plural of nadir. Nadir means something that is like something else. Something that matches something else is comparable to something else. Okay, so here it says that what these angels don't do is point to Allah and try to figure Allah out or try to describe Allah, define Allah, whatever you want to say. With what? With similar beings. To say God is like this, God is like that. No, God is like nothing. The Quran says there is nothing like him actually so this is that last category of angels they're just great they're just so great and it didn't even say that they're worshiping it just said that they are total like it's as if they're in total annihilation when it comes to allah their wings are under the throne they are their eyes are cast down now someone might say well what is their job their job apparently is that they are carrying the throne where does that come from because nowhere in this part of the khutbah did Imam Ali say they, they are carrying the throne. But Mufassirin of Nahjul Balagha, commentators of Nahjul Balagha have named this fourth category of angels as those who carry the throne. And so it seems that it's coming from the part of the this part that was speaking of their shoulders, if it, if I remember correctly, yes, their shoulders being in accord with the columns of the throne and the fact that their wings are under it as if they are carrying it because we do have quran as well that speaks of um, the uh, carriers of the throne and we have other hadiths as well that speak of angels that are carrying the throne so for example in the quran we have that's this is surah haqqa verse 17 that on that day eight angels are going to be carrying the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we'll have ver um, other hadiths that say that, yes, on the day of judgment, eight angels are going to be carrying it. But before that, four angels are carrying it. So maybe putting these verses and a hadith together, they have concluded that, okay, this fourth category that the imam is speaking of are the ones that are carrying the throne. All in all, what we do know for sure, though, is that these angels are very, very great beings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
such that they are distinct from the rest of God's creation. Now one question here is, well, what is the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is also one of those things that um, we're not 100% sure about. What we do know is this, that in the Qur'an, you'll have lots of cases where it says Allah sat on the throne. And so what you'll find is that in the tafsir of these verses of the Qur'an, the scholars are explaining that this is symbolic and it symbolizes God's sovereignty and God um, being the one who is running everything. So he creates, then he's the one who manages what he has created, takes care of what he has created, runs it like a well-oiled machine. We have a good idea of what it means for God to sit on the throne and what it symbolizes. But what does it mean here when it says they're carrying the throne of Allah? What does that mean? What does it mean? What does it symbolize at least? That there is a throne that let's say God is sitting on and the angels have to carry. What does this verse mean here? When I took a quick look at some of our tafsirs, it hadn't been really explained why does why do angels have to why do angels have to carry the throne of Allah? Allah does say one thing though, but it's a little deep, and um, uh, it's beyond the scope once again of this commentary that we have. Which, as I've said before, it's a basic commentary of Najul Balagha. We don't want to get into deep discussions and topics that need to be researched and so on. But Allah does say something very nice here, and it's. What he says here um, is something that also you'll find with, regarding other verses that speak of Yamul Qiyamah. And um, it's an interesting discussion. But uh, that's uh, inshallah for somewhere else, to be discussed somewhere else. As I said, it's beyond the scope of our commentary. Okay, so that is regarding the Arsh of Allah, the throne of Allah. I personally want to say that it is a tough one and it does symbolize something. The Tabatabais have explained certain things. Uh, but all in all, once again, if we cannot crack the code on all of these, these are things that will, inshallah, we will witness on the other side when the Quran says that you will see that eight angels are carrying the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These were the four types of angels that Imam Ali speaks of after the creation of the universe that Allah created and he filled the skies with. And of course, According to Ayatollah Jawadi Amuli, they're not limited to um, these four categories either, but these are the four that he's touched on here. And um, in other parts of Nahj al-Balagha as well, he will speak about these about angels more as well. Inshallah, we'll get to those one day. After this, the Imam moves on to the creation of Insan and Adam and uh, all of the details in regards to that. All of this creation is happening so that uh, the creation of the universe and the natural world is happening for what? For, inshallah, Adam to come, the human being to be born, and uh, to live on this earth to secure their akhirah, inshallah. But yes, the origin of the of of uh, Adam's creation and all of that is discussed in the next segment of this khutbah, khutbah number one of Natural Balagha that inshallah will cover. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.